Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us. Hope you had a happy holiday. For the next two weeks, we're going to be counting down the top 20 sports business radio stories of 2009. You may disagree, you may agree, but our crack staff got together, we counted all the votes, we reviewed the stories, and this week we're going to review stories 20 through 11, and then next week we'll be reviewing stories 10 through 1, our top 10 of 2009. Couple of notes, visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend. Follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Link to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at SB Radio. Joined by our producer Bobby Corser and by Nathan Roach. Guys, uh, lots of stories to consider this year. I don't think it's going to be hard for people to guess what our top story is, but uh, a lot of other stories in the mix. Well, yeah, and I think of the four years that I've been doing this show with you, Brian, this might be one of the biggest years for top stories. We have some huge stories this year. Last year we, we had Michael Vick at the top, or maybe that was two years ago, but uh, we got some real big stories this year. Big stories. It's a non-Olympic year. We have the Winter Olympics coming up at the end of our top 10 stories, we will also give you our forecast for stories that we think will be very, very big in the year 2010. But, uh, you know, lots of different sports involved here. We went outside the United States for a few of these stories. So I know I get emails all the time from people say, hey, you got to talk about things beyond just the United States border. So we did that. You'll find a story or two on this list from Beyond the Border. So if you want to weigh in with your thoughts on our list, you can always email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. You can direct message me at SB Radio on Twitter. And again, you can become our Facebook friend. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the blog, and click on the Facebook page. By the way, sometime in 2010, we're going to be redesigning sportsbusinessradio.com, have a whole new look and feel, and uh, you'll want to check that out. All right. When we come back, we will start the countdown, the top 20 sports business stories of 2009. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are counting down the top 20 sports business stories of 2009. In this edition of Sports Business Radio, we'll be giving you stories number 20 through 11. Next week, we'll count down the top 10, 10 all the way to 1. Let's start with number 20. Michelle Wee finally wins an LPGA event. She won the Lorena Ochoa Invitational in Mexico in November. Nathan, as we've talked many times on this show with Anna Kornikova, with Danica Patrick, with Michelle Wee, all ladies who get lots of money in endorsements. We see their pretty faces all over the place, but haven't delivered when it comes to winning performances. Finally, Michelle Wee wins on the LPGA Tour. We'll see if that repeats itself in 2010. Well, and two of those women... Danica Patrick and Michelle Wee were playing against men. Danica Patrick didn't have much of a choice, but Michelle Wee did. And many, many, many times she was playing on PG and PGA events when she really should have been focused on winning an LPGA event. I felt like this was a do-or-die year for her. If she did not capture a title this year, I think we would have started to see sponsors drop off the map. So Michelle Wee has sponsor deals with Nike, with Sony. Those are her two biggest sponsors. And in... Uh, I believe it was March of this year, she signed with IMG. Who would have thought at year's end that Michelle Wee would be the more stable client at IMG than Tiger Woods? You know, we used to talk, oh, if she just goes to IMG where Tiger Woods is repped, you know, they'll take good care of her. They've done such a wonderful job with Tiger Woods. Now we see the fiasco that he's involved in and that IMG in my opinion, knew full well what was going on. And, you know, they didn't do anything about it. And now they're doing major damage control. So, you know, we'll see where Michelle Wee's career goes. She's still very, very young. Um, But if she doesn't start winning in 2010 regularly, I doubt Nike and Sony are going to extend her deals when those are up. Well, she certainly needs to win an event that people have heard of. Not that this wasn't a big, significant win for her, but she needs to start winning events that people in the U.S. know about and then maybe up into the uh, the Masters level, the, the, you know, the, the Grand Slam, if you will. All right, our 19th biggest story of the year, 2009. Michael Phelps. His image takes a hit, pun intended, from bong pictures circulating all throughout the internet. This was in January. So Michael Phelps in 2008, such a celebrated athlete, captured the hearts and minds of so many people with his record-setting performances in Beijing at the Olympics. And he won eight gold medals. He was getting endorsements left and right. And he, much like Tiger Woods, was looked at as kind of the gold standard of endorsers. And here's a guy that you want to align your brand with. Now, Smoking pot is not the the worst thing in the world, not that I've done it before. And a lot of people said, well, this isn't that big of a deal. But what it really was was, A, you know, kind of a chink in the the armor for Michael Phelps. Um, Didn't portray that wholesome image that a lot of his sponsors, like Wheaties, wanted him to portray. And then the other thing it taught us, and we'll get into this later, is the whole social media thing. Facebook and Twitter blew up this year. And that picture of him with the bong 
circulated all across the world on the Internet, and it was also in newspapers, and it certainly wasn't good for the wholesome image of Michael Phelps. Well, and not only that, but let's face it, Michael Phelps is a swimmer, and so these endorsements are key for him to make money. And it's not like they're knocking down the door to endorse Michael Phelps. The exposure that they get is not the same exposure that a Tiger Woods gets. And so it's even more important for him to have that squeaky clean image because when those sponsors go away, they're not coming back. They're with you only because you get you swim on TV two, three, four times a year. So it's going to be interesting. 2012 is only two years away. And London, he'll be competing in the Olympics there. And... You know, will sponsors jump on the Michael Phelps train or are they going to think a little bit about, hey, look, maybe this guy isn't a guy that we want to attach our brand to? I mean, if we've learned one thing this year, and we should have learned it in previous years, between Kobe Bryant, Michael Vick, Marion Jones, and now Tiger Woods, these guys, if they can go bad, Really, anyone can go Brad. So, you know, if you think about investing millions of dollars in endorsement money and then also tying your brand to some of these athletes, I think companies are going to think long and hard about, do I want to invest money and my brand in an athlete that could turn out to go sour? Well, we've learned it's pretty much a crapshoot at this point for any athlete because if you think Tiger Woods... His fall from grace. I mean, who was more squeaky clean than Tiger Woods or Michael Phelps, for that matter? Yeah, and the other thing they should learn is if you are going to do a deal, if you don't have a moral ethics clause in that deal that helps you jettison the deal and get out of that contract, you're just naive. All right, our 18th biggest story of the year, 2009. The MLB Network launches to 50 million homes on January 1st of 2009, the largest launch in cable network history. And I got to tell you guys, I watched a lot of the MLB network this year, and I think it's a solid network. And their coup in December to lure Peter Gammons, the most trusted advisor in baseball, away from ESPN was a great score that gives them tremendous credibility. So when you think they've got Bob Costas and they've got Peter Gammons on their network— One of the things I think this shows is that these networks, the NFL network, the MLB network, they're not going to play second fiddle to ESPN. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it was Rich Eisen who came over when the NFL started years ago. Right. That was big because he was kind of the face of ESPN at the time. I agree. I think when I watched the MLB network for the first time, I was shocked because I was comparing it to the NFL network because I still think has a long way to go when you compare it to the MLB network plus – my cable provider was able Comcast. I can see it for free. I don't have to order it. And I'm not missing any games the way that the NFL Network does sometimes when they, when they hold games on Thursday nights. MLB Network was so smart because they gave Comcast a piece of the network. So they guaranteed themselves a large audience from day one. As we've seen with the NFL Network, many, many battles with Comcast and with other providers to try and get wider distribution. MLB Network got it right from day one, and they haven't had to fight those battles for distribution that the NFL Network had. So many stories in Major League Baseball this year, which we'll get to as we progress with our top 20 countdown. But, you know, MLB Network, the other thing I'll give them credit for is a lot of times when you're the network covering your own league, you would think there would be a bias. You don't want to harm your 
your product, so to speak. But the MLB network, when the A-Rod story broke, when Manny Ramirez story broke, when any big stories broke, they weren't afraid to be critical of some of these people when they should have been critical. I was I was impressed with that. Well, and you have to be. I mean, you have to be transparent because people will see right through that. If if you're trying to cover it up, people are going to see right through that. You're going to lose viewers. Or, you're going to lose respect. Yeah, or if you're just a, a a pawn for the league and you're just out there, you know, peddling and, and trying to snow your audience, immediately you're going to lose credibility and they're going to go, you know what, I'm not going to watch this. I'm going to go to a, a network that's more hard-hitting, that's going to give me the real story and not going to sugarcoat this. And I thought the MLB network, again, did a really good job. I love some of their studio stuff. I love how they've got, you know, you can do instructional things. They had Ricky Henderson in there at one point after he was elected to the Hall of Fame, you know, teaching about the art of base stealing. And, you know, just really did some good stuff. And I think they've got a, a bright future ahead. And I'll tell you what, I mean, when there's breaking news in baseball, I'll be watching the MLB Network now to listen to Peter Gammons more so than I would to Baseball Tonight or ESPN. Oh, I completely agree. I, I, I look forward to watching another season of it. All right, coming up in our next segment, we've got top stories 17, 16, and 15. We're making our way to number 11 this week. And then next week, the top 10 stories of the year 2009. Remember, these are sports business stories. So, again, not just regular sports stories, but sports business stories. All right, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000. The year before you bought the Mavericks, they were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back. Brian Berger, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser counting down the top 20 sports business stories of 2009. We're at number 17. And like I said, we're counting down to number 11 this week. Next week, we'll give you the top 10 stories. If you miss any of these stories, you want to... See what our list is. Just go onto our website at sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. We'll probably post these in text form on the blog as well. All right, the 17th biggest story of the year 2009, the NFL Players Association anoints a new leader. Demora Smith replaces the late Gene Upshaw, who died suddenly last year. And, you know, guys, a lot of people were surprised by the appointment of Demora Smith. 
he's not a former player, not an athlete. He didn't have tremendous ties to the NFL. He came from a law firm in Washington, D.C. But by all accounts, he's done a pretty good job stabilizing the union this year. He's had some good meetings with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, we could be looking at an uncapped year in 2010 if a deal doesn't get done. And we could be looking at a work stoppage in 2011. And if that happens... This guy is going to be in hot water pretty quick. Well, let's face it. He had some really big shoes to fill because what Gene Upshot did was he was an advocate for the players, but he had the respect of the folks at the NFL, and that is really the key to succeeding in this job. And so, so far, Smith's done a good job, but the real test is going to be 2010. And I think we were even talking about that long before Smith took over and when Upshaw was still in the seat. So it's going to be an interesting year. Well, and the real test is going to be if he goes to the players and says, look, I don't think this is a good deal. You guys are going to miss some paychecks. We may have to sit out for a while to get what we want in the end. Are they going to follow him? Are they going to take his recommendations? Or is the union going to fracture? Are they going to have infighting? And is that going to then lead to them having to settle and take some sort of a deal that at the end of the day, they don't want. Yeah, I'm sure this guy is uh, lying awake at night thinking about how this is going to go because this really can this can make or break his job. I mean, this could be the end of his job or the beginning of a long tenure, I think. And so this is going to define his success. No, I totally agree. And as we talk all the time, the NFL, by far the most popular, financially successful sport in the United States. And there's billions of dollars here to split with the big pie. And if they can't figure this out, the common fan, the casual observer is going to go, wait a minute, you guys are making a lot of money here. You can't figure this out. We're going to miss games. Get this figured out. Well, if I'm a player and, you know, if I was making that much money, I'd probably want to play and get my paycheck. And so that's going to be the test is whether or not he can get him on the field, because I think a lot of players, as greedy as a lot of NFL players are, they're going to want to get their their paycheck the ctc baby well i'll tell you what 2010 will be very interesting if it's an uncapped year the nfl's never seen an uncapped year so what this means is you're basically looking at, at major league baseball so the dallas cowboys the washington redskins the new york giants could go out and sign players to as much as they want they can go spend a ton of money and if you're a smaller market team you're jacksonville you're tampa bay green bay green bay someone like that you're going to be at a major disadvantage because you don't have the dollars to compete with the Dallases and Washingtons and New Yorks. Now, as we've seen in other sports, just because you spend a lot of money on payroll doesn't necessarily equate to championships and winning, but I think in the NFL, it's going to give you a big advantage. And again, we've never seen this before in the NFL. Well, I think that's that's the point right there is that it is different. I think it'll give you a much bigger advantage in the NFL, and I think that uh, it could change the face of the league, certainly. All right, so our 16th biggest story of the year 2009, we go back to the Super Bowl, won by the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe the most thrilling Super Bowl I've ever watched. Enormous ratings, 98 million viewers, 48 million homes, an all-time high for number of viewers for the Super Bowl. Again, you know, with the success of HDTV, with the success of the NFL, this was like a recipe for rating success. 
then you have a thrilling game on top of it. I'm not surprised it did such great numbers. Well, I'm surprised for this reason. It's Pittsburgh and Arizona. Those are two relatively big markets, but there's not a huge following for you know Arizona. There's not there's a big following for Pittsburgh, but that's what made this surprising is it wasn't the Yankees, the Red Sox type of matchup. And so to to have those types of ratings, it had to be a close game. Sure, HGTV's done some great stuff, you know, for viewership, but it had to be a great game. That was the only way you're going to get those kind of numbers. Yeah, I would agree. I think you know a lot of people. The Super Bowl has become you know, an event that transcends sports. So a lot of casual fans tune in because it's the Super Bowl, it's a party, and they also want to watch the commercials, frankly. And then if it turns out to be a good game, a compelling game, they're going to stick around and and watch the entire game. And that's what happened. We saw just a thrilling game all the way to the end, and that's why there were 98 million viewers. So again, you know, the NFL just has had enormous TV ratings this year, in 2009, and, you know, I don't see why that won't continue into 2010, but they've got to get things figured out with the the labor deal or there won't be any football. Well, I think the true test is going to be this year's Super Bowl here in a couple weeks. I think think if this year's Super Bowl gets even higher ratings, that's going to be the pattern for time to come. I think every year will cap the last year. Yeah, I would agree, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, we've got As of this moment, you know, we've got some really good teams that look like they, you know, could win the Super Bowl. But they're not from enormous markets. You've got, you know, Indianapolis. You've got New Orleans. You've got Minnesota. Um, You know, we could be looking at no Pittsburgh in the playoffs. No Bears. No Bears in the playoffs. No Bears (laughs) in the playoffs. We could be looking at possibly no New England in the playoffs. I mean, there have been some staples of the NFL that might not make the playoffs this year. So the good news is it's always fun to see some new teams, some new blood in the playoffs. But the bad news is is that some of the teams that have dominated the last decade may not be in the playoffs. So, you know, we'll see what that does for the TV ratings. See, and I don't think that that matters nearly as much in football as it obviously does in baseball. For the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. I mean, people are going to watch it no matter who's playing in the game. I don't know about that. Uh, I, I, the casual fan. Is the casual fan going to sit down and watch the World Series unless they're a diehard? No. The casual fan is going to sit and watch the Super Bowl, so you're going to continue They'll watch to the, the beginning. They'll watch the first quarter. All right. And then if it's a, a garbage game or the commercials are crappy and they don't like them, then they're going to tune out and they're going to go huddle in the corner and drink beer and talk about nachos. Tiger Woods. <laughs> 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 All right. Our... Next story, the 15th biggest story of the year 2009. Major League Baseball owners in October unanimously approved the sale of the Chicago Cubs from the bankrupt Tribune Company to the family of online brokerage billionaire and longtime fan Joe Ricketts. So the Ricketts family now owns the Chicago Cubs and Wrigley Field. And guys, this story, this sale had been talked about for like two years, and some people thought that you know it could be a billion-dollar deal when it was all said and done. It was closer to $800 million. and if the economy wasn't so bad and if it wasn't so hard to borrow money, then maybe this would have been closer to a billion dollars. But it's going to be interesting to see what does the Ricketts family do with the Cubs. Are they going to spend money on free agents? Are they going to keep Lou Pinella around? Are they going to renovate Wrigley Field at all? There's been talk that they may renovate Wrigley Field. Are they going to you know, be this family that wants to turn a profit and doesn't want to spend a lot of money, or are they going to 
go after some big players. Well, what made this story so big for so long was a number of things. First of all, it's the Cubs, and the Cubs are one of America's team. Everybody, everybody loves the Cubs. Second of all, for a long period of time, Mark Cuban was mentioned in that mix over the last year. Now, he fell off about nine months ago, but that was a big deal. I think there were a lot of people, myself included, who would love to have seen the Cubs go to Mark Cuban to shake things up again. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how the Ricketts family deals with the Cubs. I mean, this is a very sensitive organization. Yeah, it is a sensitive organization. They've had you know years and years of losing, but um, I think with new ownership, there might be some new energy pumped into the Cubs. Very disappointing year for them this year. A lot of people had them picked towards the top of the standings, and you know that's why we'll see. Is Lou Pinella going to be around? Are they going to go after free agents? Are they going to make some trades? How is this organization going to be run from the bottom up? And you know, are the Ricketts going to be? Kind of like the Steinbrenner family, where they get involved and you know they really want to dump money into the team and see a winner, or you know, like you said, Nathan, the Cubs have been the lovable losers for a long time. They still fill up Wrigley Field even when they're losing. So maybe these owners just say, you know what, we're not going to spend a lot of money on payroll. We're going to hope that we still get a lot of fans here because we're kind of a tourist attraction, and we'll hope to turn a profit every year. And that's our number one goal: not winning. I would hope that the number one goal is finally bringing a world championship to the Windy City, at least on uh, the north side. Well, you bring up an interesting point, and it was the question that everybody asked when the Boston Red Sox won the World Series a couple years ago was, all of a sudden, are their fans going to fall off because now they're no longer the lovable losers? And I, I think the same goes for the Cubs, is if they keep losing, do people keep loving the Cubs, and then they win, and people go, oh, this story's kind of boring, I'm going to move on to something else. All right, coming up in our next segment, we're going to count down stories 14 through 11. And then next week on Sports Business Radio, our top 10 sports business stories of the year 2009. Again, if you want to follow these stories online, if you've missed any of them, you can go onto our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. We'll have them listed in text form on the blog. You can listen to this broadcast and our broadcast next week on our podcast at sportsbusinessradio.com. Click on the podcast page. You can always go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We'll come up under the Business News Podcast. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling And everyone telling you be of good cheer Oh, it's the most wonderful time of the year Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods. Featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Mortons nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Mortons.
the best steak anywhere, and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back, and we're counting down the top 20 sports business stories, according to us, of the year 2009. We are now at story number 14. And again, a reminder, we'll count down the top 10 stories of 2009 on our show next week. All right, story number 14. This is a sad one. Someone who's appeared on this show multiple times. NCAA President Miles Brand died of pancreatic cancer in September. You know, Nathan, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff the NCAA does, but I really like Dr. Brand. He joined me several times, and... You know, it was always pleasant, always passionate, and uh, just a really tough thing to see him go. And so many people at the NCAA were devastated by this loss because he had been there for a while. He'd been a president at Indiana. He had been a president at Oregon. He's known as the guy who took a hard stance with Bobby Knight and basically bounced Bobby Knight from Indiana for inappropriate behavior. But, uh, you know, the one thing that I remember the most about Dr. Brand is he was just a champion for student-athletes. He rose, he, he, under his guidance, graduation rates for student-athletes rose every single year. And, you know, again, while there are a lot of things I don't agree with with the NCAA, uh, I really admired the way that Dr. Brand did his job. Well, and like you said, I mean, student-athletes, that's what you're there to do. You're there to be a student athlete in college. I think so many times that message gets lost. We see so much money circulating through the NCAA. We argue, we talk all the time about the fact that it's amateur quote-unquote sports when actually there's more money circulating through that than, than any pro sports team. And uh, I, I think it's nice to see someone at that level that has that type of integrity. And we don't see that very often in most other sports. You know, the other thing about him, he's well-spoken and he was so accessible. A lot of people in his position, you know, they don't want to make themselves accessible. They don't want to do interviews. They don't want to really let people ask them candid questions about their organization. And every time he came on with me, you know, he was very candid. He didn't have canned answers. Uh, he didn't seem to be overspinning things. And he was pretty, you know, honest and, and uh you know, he, he was just a straight shooter, and I really appreciated that. From well, him. He, he was like another Gene Upshaw. We just talked a couple uh, couple headlines ago about Gene Upshaw, and uh, this was another guy that we lost this year that was a huge advocate for uh, for their program, and, and it's, it's sad to see him go. So 2010, one of the things to watch in 2010 is going to be who does the NCAA name as the long-term replacement to Dr. Miles Brand. That's going to be something that's going to have a great impact on collegiate sports especially at the highest levels, so we'll definitely have to keep our eyes on that. All right, the 13th biggest story of the year 2009. Anytime iconic brands win the championship, it's good for sports and it's good for the league that that iconic brand plays in. So we talked about the Steelers, who have won many Super Bowls. They won this year. The Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA championship. And, again, you know, the Lakers are one of those brands that are so recognizable to so many people, even the casual fan. And they got back on top. They beat Orlando in the finals. And 
You know, in the process, the the sub story here is that a few years ago, everyone distanced themselves, except for Nike, from Kobe Bryant. And, you know, he was going through his trials and tribulations, literally his transgressions in Eagle, Colorado. And he had criminal charges brought against him that he had to fight to stay out of prison. And a few years later, Kobe Bryant, I think, by winning the championship, kind of capped off his comeback and showed he could win without Shaq, showed he could win as the leader of a team, showed that he could uh, become marketable again. And now there are brands that have said, we want to work with you again. Now, something that's interesting, and, and definitely as it ties into Tiger Woods, we saw Accenture recently drop Tiger Woods. I can guarantee you that if Accenture comes back to Tiger Woods in the future and says, you know what, you're back on top, you're winning tournaments again, we want to associate our brand with yours, Tiger and his camp are going to say, get lost. You didn't stick with us during the tough times. We're not going to work with you. Same thing with Kobe. When the chips were down, Nike stuck with Kobe. And I'm not saying they made the right move or not, but they stuck with him, and he remembered that. A lot of other brands dropped Kobe, and when they came back to him after they won the championship in June, he said, thanks but no thanks. You dropped me during the tough times. I'm not going to work with you now. Well, and it just goes to show you that America likes to forgive and forget. I mean— I very rarely hear people talk when they're talking about Kobe Bryant about what happened three, four, five years ago in his past. Everybody's talking about Kobe now. And I think that talking about Tiger Woods, the same thing could be possible for Tiger Woods three or four years from now that people will forget if he gets back on top, turns his life around, and, and, and moves the same sort of direction that Kobe Bryant has moved. Yeah, I mean, basically what the public has said time and time again, whether it's, you know— Michael Vick or Kobe Bryant and probably with Tiger Woods is we don't care if you're a quality human being. We just want to watch you perform. So if we enjoy watching you perform, I don't care what you're doing at home. I just want to watch you perform. And if you're a champion, if you perform at a high level, you know, I'm not concerned about what Kobe Bryant's doing with his wife, Vanessa. I'm not concerned about what Tiger Woods is doing at home. Now, Personally, I think that's a sad state of affairs. It's a sad statement, and I think there's many companies like Accenture who expect more from athletes at a moral, with a moral compass than you know just be a champion. But there are companies out there that if you're the best at what you do on the athletic field to play, that's all they care about. See, but I, I sort of disagree a little bit with that because if I'm Joe Nobody and I'm buying the stuff that Tiger Woods is endorsing— I demand a little bit more out of him because I'm paying money to basically pay his salary. Well, okay, but there's also other people that go, you know what, this is a high-quality golf ball. I think these clubs are really good. This shirt is dry fit, and it performs well, and it helps me from not sweating when I'm playing during the heat of the summer. That's all they care about. They don't care about was Tiger Woods you know, at the strip joint in Las Vegas picking up Women, they, they don't care. They're oh. not thinking about all those things when they go buy that product. They do now. I'll tell you what, if you're married, I, I, here's a perfect example. Women Yester- do. Yesterday, yeah, but, but if you're married and you're the guy, yesterday I put on my Tiger Woods hat because I have a, a, a Tiger Woods golf hat. My wife said, take that hat off. <laughs> take that hat off. So 
there, there's the point right there is you're not just endorsing to men in these cases. You're also endorsing to women. Well, on our Portland-only show, we take calls, and we had calls from females, and they called in. And, you know, let's not forget that females make a lot of the purchasing decisions for the children in the family, and sometimes they'll even— you know, shop for their husbands and buy him clothes. Here's what you're going to wear. It's almost like granimals, you know, or underoos <laughs> or something. You're putting together. Some men just can't dress themselves, have no fashion sense at all. So the women go out and, and purchase the clothing. Women, I agree with you, are completely turned off by Tiger Woods. And I don't see them going out and buying many of Tiger Woods' products for their husbands or for the children. So that's where I think... Tiger Woods and his products could take a hit and where companies like Accenture and possibly others go, you know what, this is where we got to draw the line. This isn't the kind of behavior that we want. We don't want to associate our brand with that. But again, the point of this headline was Kobe Bryant, who helped the Lakers win a championship. We don't hear about his problems of a few years ago. Now we hear about him as champion of the Los Angeles Lakers. Kobe Bryant back on top. All right, the 12th biggest story of the year, 2009. We kind of combine this one. Some major sports venues opened in 2009. Two in New York, the New York Yankees, the new Yankee Stadium, over a billion dollars. The New York Mets Stadium, not as expensive as the Yankees, but expensive. And the plush, over-the-top, over-budget over a billion dollar Dallas Cowboys stadium. Ridiculous. As they say, they do it bigger in Texas, and Jerry Jones did it bigger in Texas than anyone. Those three state-of-the-art venues open, and they made news just from their opening. Well, yeah, and here's the funniest part about it, is no matter how much money you spend on these stadiums, there's still problems with the stadiums. Well, Cowboys Stadium, that giant HDTV screen they've got hanging from the ceiling, Got hit with a punt on the very first game at the stadium. Yankee Stadium, there were seats where there were obstructed views. And at Cowboy Stadium. And at Cowboy Stadium. So no matter how much money you spend on these ridiculous stadiums, there still seems to be problems. You know, it's funny. They all got rave reviews. The Met Stadium, you know, had some some negative reviews. But, um, you know, the main thing from a sports business perspective with the opening of these stadiums is anytime you open new stadiums, with more revenue streams, more suites, more seats, more luxury boxes, more points of purchase. It means more money is coming in. So you make more money, and you can spend more money on payroll. And that's how the Yankees, the Mets, and the Cowboys are able to spend a lot of money on payroll at the top of their leagues, respectively, because they're bringing in so much money from these new stadiums. Well, yeah, when you're charging 15 bucks a beer like they probably are at Yankee Stadium, and you've got— and it. And it seats more than almost any other baseball stadium in the league. You're going to make that money pretty quickly. Well, in Yankee Stadium, lots of the expensive seats went empty in the early portions of the Major League Baseball season because people, you know, we're in a bad economy and people didn't want to pay those prices. That was definitely negative headlines. It'll be interesting to see. You know, we've heard rumblings that they're going to adjust the seating prices. I'm sure winning their 27th World Championship certainly didn't hurt their ability to sell seats, but, you know, they have to kind of re-examine the market and what it will bear, and it was very clear early on, even in New York, those seats were overpriced. Oh, absolutely, but uh, I think you, you said it best, is the market is going to drive what these seats are going to go for. 
All right, our 11th biggest story of the year, 2009. Kaka! Kind of like the bird. Kaka! Kaka. Signed for $90 million with Real Madrid. And then a few few weeks later, Cristiano Ronaldo made that look like chump change. He signed for $129 million. So, you know, we talk about the Yankees and some of these other teams and how much money they spend. Well, Real Madrid pumped out some cash in a, a very short time span in 2009 to those two players. Well, and we're not exposed to as much here in the U.S., but soccer over in Europe is absolutely enormous. I mean, it is it is as big as anything we watch here in the U.S., and we see that kind of money thrown around over there as well. But in the U.S., you look at that and you go, soccer spending that money? We have the MLS, and there's nobody getting even close to that kind of change here in the U.S. Yeah, and this is on par with any signing that you'd see anywhere. I mean, $129 million. That's A-Rod. That's A-Rod money. Yeah. I mean, there are a handful of U.S. athletes who are getting that kind of money. So that's our 11th biggest story of the year, 2009. When we come back, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Sports Business Radio. If you didn't get enough Christmas presents, we'll wrap this one up with a bow for you. And then next week, a reminder, we'll present our top 10 sports business stories of the year 2009, according to Sports Business Radio. We'll be back. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. So next week we will unveil our top 10 sports business stories of the year 2009, according to our staff here at Sports Business Radio. You know, we really appreciate you listening to our show this year. It's been a great year. We've had some stellar guests on. And, uh, you know, we're moving into our sixth year of doing this show. I can't believe it. Time flies by. Guys, the new year is coming up. I'm sure you'll be watching lots of football on New Year's Day like I will. 
And uh, every time around this year, it's time for New Year's resolution. So, Bobby, I'm going to start with you. What's your uh, New Year's resolution for 2010? Uh, I'd like to pay off all debt this year. I, I think it'd be really cool to not have to worry about you know certain bills. And I, I think paying off my debt is, is going to be my resolution. Bobby, I think there's a lot of Americans that will join you in that resolution. Nathan, uh, what's your resolution? Well, my wife and I are expecting our first child, so I guess uh, my resolution is to survive these next 12 months with a newborn baby here uh, due in May. You'll survive and you'll thrive. You might not get a lot of sleep at the beginning, but uh, it's the greatest. And if you can get through the sleep-deprived days at the beginning, then... uh, once you get to the part where I'm at, where I have a five-year-old daughter, it is, it's the greatest. I, I could do this show asleep, can I? That's the way we do this. Yeah, you can just snore. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I snore. Burger, resolution. I want to write a book. I'm not going to say what the topic of the book is, but I want to write a book. And I'm going to be working on writing a book this year. So we'll see. I got that's You know, a book is a big undertaking. It takes a lot of time. you got to kind of lock yourself in a room for a while and not be disturbed. And uh, I want to write a book. So we'll see if I can actually. So what I want to do, that's what resolutions are all about, right? We say we want to do these things. I want to exercise more. I want to eat better. I want to save money. But uh, we'll see if we get around to doing it. All right. It's been a wonderful year. Thanks to our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Ducks playing in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. Morton's The Steakhouse, New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. Check us out on iTunes. Type in Sports Business Radio and we'll come up. Follow me on Twitter, at SB Radio. We'll be posting our top stories of the year 2009 on my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Be safe. On New Year's Eve, don't drink and drive, and have a very happy New Year. We'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Malouf. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com. 